Good morning, and thank you to our worship team. Thank you, especially to Angelia, for leading us uh, in worship on those last couple songs uh, this morning. It is a blessing uh, to be with you. Thankful for Alfredo praying for us this morning and the opportunity to commune with you, even though it is online. We find ourselves in different homes and in different places. I want to pause and say a prayer for the fires that are in California right now as our lives are uh, affected all in different ways. But as we step outside right now, we smell uh, that smoke. So let's pray together and um, just lift up this situation, which is extremely difficult and just hard for a lot of people right now. So please join me uh, in praying right now. God, we pray for the fires that are all over the West Coast right now. And we pray your blessings on those who are fighting those fires very bravely and those who are in danger of losing homes, those who have lost homes already. God, it's just a really terrible situation. We pray that the fires would stop, that you would give vision and wisdom to those who are out there on the front lines. We're thankful for them, and we pray that you would continue to be in these situations and that the fires would end uh, very soon and that um, we would get to safety and not have the smoke in the air, which is harmful for a lot of people as well. So, Father, just be with us as we continue in a very difficult year, and we pray your blessings over this specific situation and pray that you would guide all those who are helping to keep us safe right now. And I pray that you would be with all of us as we persist in hope, even against difficult things this year. In your son Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we think about uh, this year, 2020, being a, a hard year and things continue to come up that are uh, challenging for us and there's a lot for us to think about and process, I wanted to do a series called God is Here just to think about the very simple reality that Scripture teaches that God is with us. What a profound reality and important thing that is, that as things are incredibly difficult, or even as things sometimes are very good, God is with us. And sometimes I think we miss that reality because generally we can think about the message of the church being a message about sins being forgiven, and that's an awesome thing, and that's really important, and praise God that our sins are forgiven. But then we jump to this feeling of our sins are forgiven, and one day I'll leave this evil place and go be with God. In reality, our sins are forgiven so we can profoundly experience communion and relationship with God right here and right now. Not off in some distant reality or in some future that looks like a Geico commercial, but actually right here and right now, God is here. The story of Scripture isn't as much about us escaping one day. It's about God pursuing us and continuing more and more to enter in with us. We're going to look at a little bit of that today. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses has an encounter with a burning bush. And I write my sermons three weeks in advance, and then I am getting them ready Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thanks God for giving me the burning bush sermon this week. You can Maybe smell how that reality is if you step outside for just a minute, though it's not advisable for you to do that. 
But in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it tells us this. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of the fire within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So Moses is out tending this flock, and he notices that there's a fire with this bush, and for some reason, it just doesn't burn out. Obviously, Horeb was a boring place to live. There wasn't a whole lot going on there because you're just staring at bushes. But think for a minute about how long it would have taken for him to stare at this bush and to recognize this is weird. Something odd is happening here. Maybe five minutes, maybe just a few minutes. For this bush that is off in the side of his view, for him to notice that something odd is happening here. This isn't the typical brush fire that's happening out in this desert region. This thing just doesn't seem to burn out. I love how Rabbi Lawrence Kushner discusses this scene. He says, People usually explain that God used the burning bush to attract Moses' attention. But suppose you were God and you could do anything you wanted. Split the Red Sea, make the sun stand still, set up a pillar of fire. Compared with such spectacular displays, a burning bush is not very impressive. So why did God choose such a modest miracle? Perhaps the burning bush wasn't a miracle, but a test. God wanted to find out if Moses could see mystery in something as ordinary as a bush on fire. In order to see it as a miracle, Moses had to watch the flames long enough to realize that the branches were not being consumed and that something awesome was happening. Once God saw that Moses could pay attention, God spoke to him. I think this is so profound because generally when I think of a burning bush moment, sometimes I can say, God, give me that moment. Like, tell me, do I need to move somewhere? Is something going on? Lead me in this. I want to be like in the center of your will. I want to do like what you're doing. And I think we're all asking some questions about that right now. As this pandemic is hitting us, like, do we need to move somewhere? And the answer is no. All of you need to stay in LA. (laughs) I understand that the answer for some might be to go somewhere else. But we're all thinking like, if only I had a burning bush to tell me like, this is your game plan. Brian, let me just give you instructions on exactly how you are supposed to live. But as you actually understand scripture, that is not how the will of God works. I think God sits back at times and says, yeah, I could use you in Albuquerque just like I could use you in LA. Go for it. Make that choice if you want to. But what I want you to do is become a certain person. It's about following me and becoming more like me in that place. If you live in Los Angeles, be a great follower of me there. If you move somewhere else, be a great. Sometimes we think about the will of God as this tightrope that we're walking. And we think about a burning bush and think, wow, I wish I had that much direction for my life. But actually, the direction that Moses gets is very little at this point. Basically, just go and talk to Pharaoh, which is a terrifying thing for Moses to do. And in the conversation that goes in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, God basically just says over and over again, I will be with you. I'm going to take care of this. All I need is a body, basically. I need you to show up, Moses, but that's pretty much it, and I'll take care of the rest. So consistently in Exodus 3 and 4, this is what God is saying. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you alone in this. So as we think about the burning bush, 
Notice that it is about somebody who has the ability to pay attention and notice that there's mysterious stuff that's happening below the surface. And I think that's true for all of us. That life is so much about where it is that we put our eyes and what we pay attention to. And we often think of God as present in these great moments of, of worship. And yes, God can be present in those places. But God's also there on Tuesday, in the middle of your week. These things are a grind, and it's hard. Life is about paying attention to something that I think is often more available to us than we give it credit for. I read a really interesting study from Columbia University about the happiness of medal winners. And they found that silver medalists were generally less happy with the result of their competition than bronze medalists. Because if you're a silver medalist, you're, sitting on that, you're standing on that podium thinking, if I was just a little faster. You know, if I could throw that thing just a little farther, then I could be the best in the entire world at this. And so the silver medalist thinks, if only... The bronze medalist, that person standing on the podium and thinking, look, y'all, I'm better than the rest of the world at this thing. There's 7.8 billion people in the world. I actually just looked an hour ago. This number is different at this point, but it is, I'm going to try to say this. There's 7,811,599,379 people in the world right now. Apparently, this is about an hour ago. It's changed a little bit. But the bronze medal winner is standing up there on the podium looking like, man, I'm better than 7,811,599,377 people at this thing. Life is about where it is that you put your eyes. And what is it that you're paying attention to and focusing on? And so when God sees that Moses could pay attention and see that there's something mysterious and awesome happening right in front of him. That's when God says, all right, let's go. I wonder how often we walk right past burning bushes. If you're a Christian and you're watching this today, and if you're not, that's awesome. Please contact us. I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. But if you're a Christian and you're watching this today, you believe that God's image is inside everybody all around you. Can you perhaps pay attention to that a little bit more? To recognize that God is not only with you, but with the people around you? As Moses is having this back and forth conversation with God, he asks a question, which is a really important, logical one. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, suppose I go to the Israel, or suppose I, I go and and have this conversation. Who is it that I'm supposed to say you are? What is your name? What am I supposed to tell them? And, and God says, I am who I am. This is who you're, what you're supposed to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is such a logical question. Moses is thinking like, what, what's your name? You know, is it, is it Steve? Is it Bethany? What am I supposed to say? Who are you, basically? And how can I like, name you so I can understand it, so I can continue to follow you? And the answer is just absolutely profound. Sometime I want to do like a five-week sermon series just on this word that God gives because it's so profound and people have studied it forever and still they don't really fully understand it. 
Because the word that God gives him is Yahweh. Yahweh. Uh, say that with me at home. Yahweh. Yahweh. People have been commenting on this word forever, and there's a general understanding that what God says is just breathing. Yahweh. I don't know if you've ever been on the road to Las Vegas before. Maybe you never have, so you're a better person than me. But as you're going to Las Vegas, there's this great road in Baker. Here it is, um, spelled Zizix, I guess, is, is how you pronounce that. And that road has always fascinated me. Like, what is this? What is this doing in the middle of nowhere? And I thought about this when I was thinking of, of Yahweh. And the name Zizix actually came, there was a, an evangelist guy who was like a health and wealth guy who taught that he, if people would come to his mineral wells that were out in this area, out in the middle of nowhere in the 1940s, then they could get healed. And so he would be the one who would provide uh, all this, this healing for them. And he had this for 30 years, and they shut him down in the 70s when they realized that he had no rights to that land at all, which is like really weird that he did it for 30 years somehow. But uh, So he set up in that area the Zizix mineral baths. And the reason that he called it Zizix was because it was the last word on health. So that's why he called it Zizix. And so it was like the, literally the, the last word on health. And as I've seen the sign for that road before, I've always thought, what does that even pronounce? What does that mean? And as Moses asked this question, what's your name? Who am I supposed to say is sending me to you? God says Zizix, basically. It's something that doesn't make sense. God just says orca whale sounds or something. You know, just like, I'm just going to give you breaths. This is who I am. And if I'm Moses, I go, that is not all that helpful, man. Like, can you give me something else that's a little bit better? But God just says, Yahweh. I was reading that what this means is that when a baby is born, as everyone waits in the room, the first thing that child does is say the name of God. Yahweh. At some point, we will all die. And we will take one last breath and say the name of God. And when God is introduced here to Moses, so profound that God is just saying, I'm as close to you as your next breath. And this is scary for you to go and try to do this, Moses. You have no idea. You can't even wrap your mind around what it is that you're going to do. But can you just take every step relying on me and recognize that I'm as close as your next breath? We've been doing a series of classes on Wednesday nights with myself and Dr. Justin Smith, who will be leading us in communion in just a moment. And as we've been studying the gospel of Mark together, we have been highlighting some things and thinking a lot about that gospel. And I couldn't help but think of Mark chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. This is a really interesting scene. Jesus has been transfigured 
before the people, which is this metamorphosis. It's a super profound moment in Jesus' ministry. And Peter is basically saying, let's put up some shelters here. Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, Moses, and Elijah, because they've seen these leaders of their faith, and they're there. And then Mark tells us he didn't know what to say because they're so frightened. Peter always is saying things a little bit too early, and Mark just throws Peter under the bus. At least Peter tried something. But what happens in this scene is Jesus is shown in all his glory. Basically, what is actually inside of him comes out. He's showing who he really is. And in a profound way, this moment says, eventually Jesus is going to die. And that's what he's been trying to tell you guys over and over in the gospel of Mark is the disciples just don't seem to get it. But he continues to say that he's going to eventually die. But what this passage tells us is don't get it wrong though. That doesn't mean that he's not glorious. And that doesn't mean that his death isn't for a higher purpose. In fact, it is within the will that I have for him. And there's this moment of euphoric worship on this mountainside. And Peter does, I think, what we all do. Let's just put up some shelters. Let's keep this right here. I've heard it said that what's hard about leading worship in a church is that everybody wants to sing the songs they sang in college. Because that was a profound moment of your faith. That was a time when you like, were growing and your faith uh, wasn't yours and it became your own as you transitioned and made some choices. And so you connect to God through that. And that's so much of what we do. Like, let's just put up this structure and God, you just stay here. I don't want to go back down the mountain. This is so profound and significant. We've had moments perhaps on, on retreats or experiences with God where we just want to say, all right, God, if you're going to show up in this place, I'm just going to keep coming back here. And let's put up this structure so you're somewhat boxed in. Partly because I don't really want you to ask me anything hard to do in my life. So let's just keep you there and I'll worship you. I'll just, I'll stand right here and I'll worship you. And Jesus gets this profound moment of affirmation in this story. When God's voice says, this is my son whom I love, y'all better listen to him. And I don't know about you, but when I get words of affirmation, I just want to stay in affirmation land. You know, if somebody sends me a nice email or a nice text, I just want to like dwell there and be like, thank you. I'm just going to stay in affirmation land because that's where I want to be. But Jesus gets this word of profound affirmation about himself and his ministry and that God deeply cares and loves for him and loves him. And you know what Jesus does? He starts heading back down the mountain. While Peter says, let's put up this structure. Let's save this. Let's, you know, maybe we can invite people out here and make some money because this is unbelievable who's up here. This is so profound. And Jesus just heads right back down the mountain because Jesus knows something that we often forget. That yes, God can be present in those moments of profound worship where you're experiencing something that's, that's really significant. God is there, but God is just as present down the mountain as well. So Jesus isn't sweating trying to control God and trying to say, all right, let's get this structure. And who, what was the song we sang first that made all this happen? Jesus just walks back down the mountain because Jesus knows that God's just as available to him as he's doing the grind of ministry 
as he is in this significant scene. Again, if anybody should want to stay there, it's Jesus. But Jesus knows that God is as close as his next breath. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the, the fall of man. We see sin enter the world. And it tells us this in verses 8 and 9. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And I've always read right past that, but just think about that for a minute. That as Adam and Eve are in perfect relationship with God, God's just walking through the garden. What a weird image, right? God's just strolling, looking at the creation, spending time there. And then Adam and Eve hide. And verse 9 says this, that God calls to Adam and Eve, where are you? Are we going to finish up our racquetball game? Just what a weird image, right? That God's just walking through the garden looking for him. Like God wants to just hang out with him. God walks through all of our lives, I think, and just says, where are you? I'm here. Think about Jesus who comes and shows us what God is like with skin on. Jesus is coming is God's way of saying, all right, it's too hard to be separated from you. I'll do anything. And Jesus comes and he shows us what God is like by spending time around broken people and challenging the religious structures that just want to build walls around God. About hanging out with a group of disciples who consistently get it wrong, but choosing continue, continually over and over again to challenge them, but also to help them grow. Jesus shows up to basically say, yeah, this is what God is like. I couldn't be separated from you guys, even though you're kind of knuckleheads. Where are you? What's going on? Jesus shows us that God desires to be with us. And then as Jesus is preparing for his death, he says, someone is coming after me. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit that is going to be a gift for you. And it's not just going to be me physically anymore. You all are going to have access to this gift. And this presence. And here's the thing. I think that we know this. We know that we can't control God. And as significant as some moments have been when you've like taken a long trip somewhere and you've seen this thing that you really, really wanted to see, sometimes when you arrive at that thing, it's actually disappointing. Sometimes it's profound. But so often... It's just being on the road and living your life. And all of a sudden, you just have a, a profound, significant moment. And it's something that you're going to remember forever. Something for me, 
It happened. We went a few weeks ago to visit my brother who was staying in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. He and his wife tried to get out of Texas for the summer because it's really hot. And so they were in the middle of nowhere, Colorado, and we drove to meet them and spend some time with them for a week. And we were about three hours south of Denver, and Mandy's brother and sister-in-law live in Denver. And so we arranged a place to meet, and just FYI, there's not a whole lot going on, going on in Colorado, except for a few big cities. There's a whole lot of small places. And so we found a place that looked like the most reasonable place for us to be called Fair Play Colorado. And we got there, there wasn't a whole lot going on in Fair Play. And it was about an hour and 15 minutes from where uh, we were with, with my brother. And something that you'll notice about basically the rest of the world besides California, everyone makes the joke, uh, if you don't like the weather, just wait 15 minutes. California is pretty consistent. You kind of know what you're getting into. It's either going to be really hot or moderate, and that's pretty much it. But everywhere else in the world, the weather changes very quickly. And I always forget that. And so I was in, I would say, typical Brian Shackman vacation uniform, um, shorts and a t-shirt. And all of a sudden in fair play, it was very, very cold. And so I dropped the kids off. Mandy had brought something a little warmer for herself and the kids, like great mom points there. But I didn't have anything. And so I went and I found a thrift store and I'm looking through the thrift store to find uh, what they have. And there's one thing that looks like it's way too big for me. And then I find a sweatshirt that is perfect in my size. And it is a Patron sweatshirt. And I tell you that story maybe to tell you why I own a Patron sweatshirt if you ever see it, just trying to get you out of the way not to judge me. The best part of the Patron sweatshirt is that I went up to purchase it, best dollar fifty I've ever spent in my life. And the lady behind the counter says, I knew this was going to go quick. <laughs> and I said, really? And she said, I just put that out there 30 minutes ago. I kid you not. And so I just feel like this Patron sweatshirt is a gift from God. And then we're driving around Fair Play, Colorado, and I see this picture, uh, which is a really creepy sign that says doll shop, which looks like it is the beginning of a horror film. And of course, I think we have to take a picture in front of the doll shop. And so I asked my lovely, very patient wife, it started raining at this point, would you mind getting out of the car so we can take a picture of me uh, in front of the doll shop? And so here it is, me in my Patron shirt in front of the doll shop. And I know those dolls look like they could just jump through the window at any moment and kill me, but that is the picture that I have from that trip. And I have to tell you, that's just one of those memories that I'll have from that trip that even though on that trip also we saw the Grand Canyon, that one might be the most fun if I was ranking the, the fun of that trip. And it's so weird and random but you just never know when God's going to show up in Fair Play, Colorado and just throw you a bunch of weird curveballs and you just have fun. You just don't know because we're not in control. And that's good news because there are going to be times when you're intentional about worship and you're going to have a transformative experience when, when you're praying and God's going to say something that you really needed to hear. You hear through a brother and sister in Christ something that you really need to hear because you showed up and you're in that space. But it's also great news to know that God is as close as our next breath. You never know when you're going to see a sign for a doll shop and you got to pull over. Or hopefully yours are better than mine. And you just don't know. We think that 
We have this control and this sense, but in reality, what Scripture teaches is that God has come to be with us in the day-to-day. God is here. It isn't about us escaping this world one day. It's about God being with us, even in the very real hard moments, and then one day transforming this world. But it's not just about being in the future. It's about being present with God now. One of our biggest problems is that we just think we're in control. We think we know where joy is going to be. And so we go to a concert, and it's one that we're supposed to be really enjoying. And so we, how do we know if we're enjoying it? It's, well, you can put it on Instagram and like, show a picture like you're enjoying it. We think we know how to fix everything. We think we know, and sometimes we should just stand back and look for the presence of God all around us in unexpected moments because God is as close as your next breath. And that fills every single moment with profound reality and hope. And the story of Scripture is about a God who, as sin enters the world, is just like walking through the garden and says, where are you guys? The God who sends Jesus into the world because God just can't stand to be away from us. And then a Jesus who says, I know that you all love me and you wish that you could just stay with me forever, but let me tell you, I'm going to give you this gift my spirit and presence, the Holy Spirit, which is even better than me. I know it's impossible for you to believe. So we know that we've all experienced times where God just has us in a moment or something happens that is completely unexpected and just as profound as those mountaintop experience kind of things are. We also recognize that there are burning bushes where God shows us his presence in really unique and weird ways. And may we be more attuned to that. That's especially crucial during a year like this that is hard. We have questions and it's difficult. But God is here. Let us be the type of people who, like Moses, don't just walk past burning bushes, but take a moment and stare into the reality that we're not in control and there's awesome things that are going on all around us. May we be people who pay attention. Now we're going to spend some time taking communion together. Again, our friend Justin is going to be leading us right now. Communion helps us to remember God's death on the cross, which gave the gift of the spirit and presence to all of us. And I'm so thankful for the reminder of that. And as we enter this week, I hope that we remember this love that transforms us and helps us to realize that we have God's spirit and presence with us again.